You're listening to the Blue Family Tree Podcast. We're here to help you rob the pension bank. It's your host, coming to you from Colorado, Patrick Rice. Welcome back to this episode of the Blue Family Tree. Just like she said, our goal here is to keep you alive well into retirement. Take that pension bank for every last cent you can, and in order to do so, we give you a few things to think about that will help keep you alive and get you home safe at the end of every shift. Today I want to talk about a phrase that we're all familiar with. Well, that's going to be my jumping off point anyway. We're not going to necessarily talk about the phrase or where the phrase comes from, but that's going to be our jumping off point for today's conversation. You see, when somebody comes up with a catchy phrase or kind of a slogan, if you will, it can mean a lot to a lot of people. It doesn't necessarily have to mean what it means to the originators. And in the case of this particular phrase, it is a hot-button phrase right now. Everybody in the world knows this phrase, and people get kind of upset when you take it over or when you use it for something else. But it's just a really great phrase. It has an incredible meaning. And so we're going to use it in a couple of different ways today, but not the way that the originators intended. You see, the phrase, Black Lives Matter, is an incredibly positive phrase. Of course black lives matter. Who would argue with that? We all know that black lives matter, just like any other lives matter. But if you turn around and you tell the Black Lives Matter movement, at least some people in that movement, that uh, white lives matter or police lives matter or all lives matter, then they accuse you of hijacking their message Uh, turning their message into uh, some kind of war or argument instead of just recognizing that they have a great phrase and a great concept that they've coined, and you're going to also use the same thing. It happens with phrases all the time. There's lots of phrases out there, kind of the Me Too movement of phrases where, you know, somebody says something that fits their agenda but it fits yours too, and, and it's a true statement for you as well, and so you also use it. And so that's kind of where I'm going today. We're going to talk about how your life matters. Now, you might be black, and you might be white, and you might be whatever other color you want to associate yourself with. You might be male or female or whatever other gender you want to associate yourself with. I, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea who's listening to this podcast, but it doesn't matter those things, what matters is your life. Your life matters. And it doesn't matter because you're black or because you're white or because you're male or female or transgender or whatever else you want to or choose to identify with. It matters because of the actions that you take throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout your life, and who you choose to be. I would even go so far as to say That all lives matter, and by that we could take a brief step back from kind of the the topic that I was aiming for, and we could talk about the person you arrested last week. They might be the biggest dirtbag you've ever seen in the back of your patrol car. But to somebody, they have value. Somebody. One person out there somewhere finds value in them. Grand Junction is a really heavily transient population, and it's easy to sit back and on the surface think that person's life maybe matters less, if matters at all, than 
the person in the car next to me or the person that owns the business down the street. But really, that's not a fair assessment because to somebody, their life is the most important life there is. More important than Donald Trump or Joe Biden or anybody else out there is that transient person who lays down next to them at night, down by the river, down by the campfire, and tells them that they love them. That life matters more than anybody else's to somebody. And that's a perspective that we always need to keep in mind. But when we're talking about your life and in general police lives, here's why your life matters. Let's take a step back just in my own career. There was a gentleman named Glenn Trainer. Glenn Trainer was the undersheriff at the county where I started my career. Back in 1998, I finished the police academy and I applied with Grand County Sheriff's Office and Glenn took a chance on me and hired me. I, no matter how much I look back and I think about it, I can't for the life of me figure out why I didn't deserve a chance any more than the next no-experience rookie. I wasn't even a rookie. I was literally no experience straight out of the academy. See, in Colorado, for most departments, you have to put yourself through the academy and then start filling out applications to see if you can get a job. So that was the case for me, and uh, I filled out an application for Grand County, and Glenn Trainer hired me, uh, even though I said that I became a police officer, wanted to become a police officer to help people and to make my community a better place. Uh, I had nothing original in my oral board. I'm sure I didn't test higher than, you know, the top third. I don't know why he took a chance on me, but he did. And to this day, I credit Glenn Trainer with my career. If he hadn't hired me and taken the op- taken the chance to put me on the road and let me get my feet wet in law enforcement, I don't believe that I'd be where I am today. But does Glenn Trainer, who's now the chief of Winter Park Police Department, Does he know that? I've never told him. Does he know how much his life matters and the decisions he made back in 1998 matter to me? I don't know because I've never told him. So after I got done with uh, uh, Grand County, we moved to Grand Junction, which is, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, they're not in the same place Uh, despite the grand part it was a bit of a move about four hours we moved down here and i got hired with the grand junction police department and i had an fto granted i didn't need an fto right because i had three years of police experience at a rural county sheriff's office so i knew everything there was to know about police work i didn't really need any more training at this point i was uh i'd seen everything and done everything and i knew exactly what police work was all about But nonetheless, they put me through an FTO program, and I had an FTO who had come from an agency in Florida. He had done uh, some time, I think almost a half a career, 10 years or so, um, give or take a couple years down in this Florida agency. And then he had come up to Grand Junction. He'd been with Grand Junction for a few years, and his name was Pete Chipola. I actually hope in the future to have Pete on the podcast. Uh, I would love for everybody out there to... Uh, hear a little advice straight from Pete. But nonetheless, uh, Pete taught me some amazing lessons. See, unfortunately, the truth is that when I came to Grand Junction, my experiences uh, pretty much revolved around chasing bear and moose out of campgrounds. 
there wasn't a whole lot going up on up in Grand County. We did have our first homicide in Grand County in like a century when I was there. And uh, Grand County's picked up since, but uh, in hindsight, retrospect being what it is, uh, Grand County wasn't exactly action-packed. So uh, I did pick up two of top uh, Oregon's top 10 most wanted while I was up there. They've been hiding out in the Grand County area for uh, almost two decades, avoiding uh, a prison sentence up in Oregon. Uh, so there was some fun stuff there, but you know there wasn't a great deal of crime happening right in your face. Stuff from autos were almost none. Uh, burglaries were almost none. Robberies almost none. Uh, we had, you know, the typical domestic violence. Occasionally we would have a bar fight at one of the two or three bars around the county. Um, we might have had some stolen automobiles or a stolen snowmobile uh, up in Grand County, but those things are kind of cold cases. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot else going on up there. So while I had an opportunity at Grand County to get my feet wet, get some experience under me, and become a little more attractive to another agency, uh, I really hadn't done a whole lot to improve my officer safety skills and my officer presence and my awareness and my interview tactics. Uh, although I did have uh, some time up there on the um, drug task force before I left, so I did get some great interview experience uh, through there. But when I came down and I met Pete, Pete taught me a whole new way of kind of looking at life. He gave me an opportunity to uh, contact citizens and suspects and victims and witnesses and talk to them all however we talk to them and for me to figure out how that is and what that looks like and when's appropriate to give orders and when's appropriate to make requests. All those things started coming more into play on a daily basis at Grand Junction. Grand Junction was hopping. We were call to call to call, especially through uh, FTO it seemed like. It was just always busy. But one thing that I remember, and I'll never forget, that Pete did, was he'd been on me about checking my car because uh, of officer safety reasons. You need to make sure your car is secure and that the bad guys don't have access to items in the back seat and whatnot. Well, apparently I wasn't getting the lesson. So he put a big bright orange plastic gun in the back seat and we drove around for probably the entire shift. And at the end of the shift, he asked me if I had checked the back seat. And I said, of course I had. <laughs> well, he called my bluff because uh, as soon as I looked back there after he asked that, I saw this glaringly large, uh, look, might as well have been a bazooka, uh, orange plastic gun in the back seat. It couldn't have stuck out more. Uh, black plastic seats and the big bright orange gun. So to this day, I don't get into my patrol car without checking the back seat. And I think of him every time I do it. And this is one of the many lessons that Pete taught me along the way. Uh, I was very grateful to have Pete as a mentor. And does Pete know that? I don't know. He might at this point because uh, I have kept in contact with him over the years. Uh, like I say, I hope to have him on the show. So uh, I have had an opportunity later in life to let him know how much I appreciated his efforts and the lessons that he taught me. But I'd say as an overall case, uh, people like Pete in my life, they don't know that their life mattered to me because I haven't had that opportunity to share that that story with them. So, uh, And I'm sure you have the same. You have an FTO, 
you have maybe an arrestee who taught you a lesson. Uh, all sorts of different people can impact us in different ways. Boy, one of the greatest impacts that I could think of on a person uh, in law enforcement that I wish I would have had the opportunity to tell them how much their life mattered to me was Bill Foy. And as you guessed, Bill Foy is no longer with us, but he could light up a room, man. He was tactically sound. He was a great report writer. He knew when to be a cover officer. He knew when to be the lead. Uh, the guy could foot race with the best of them. There wasn't anything I, I could think of, and it's not just posthumously. There's nothing I can think of about Bill that didn't make him an absolutely outstanding cop. Everybody in the patrol room loved him. When we all, we'd come back and we'd have a, had a hard, long shift and we're writing reports and everybody's tired, Bill would always light up the room. But I don't think any of us told him because he decided to take his own life, like so many law enforcement officers do. And I don't know why. I don't know the circumstances around it. There's lots of speculation. Uh, maybe he had an underlying mental condition. Maybe it was the job. Maybe it was family. It's difficult to say, but I don't think you can intertwine and take away the job. I don't think that it's possible to remove law enforcement as a factor in suicides by police or from police. So let's just focus on making sure that we let each other know that our lives matter. And it doesn't matter what you look like. It matters that you're alive and that somebody loves you and appreciates you and respects you and is grateful for your life. That's all it takes to make your life matter. Your life matters to the arrestee that you arrested yesterday. It matters to the victim who you saved from a brutal relationship last week. It matters to the judge who had an opportunity to hear your case and put somebody that needed to go behind bars away for a long time because of your work. It even matters to the defense attorney who has an opportunity to hire clients or be hired by clients, I suppose, and defend them as they should per our Constitution and make the system work because you did your job. Your life, of course, matters to your family, your parents, your children, your siblings, your aunts and uncles and cousins. Those all go without saying, even though not saying it can sometimes be more detrimental than it, than it should be. My father's recently passed away as my mom passed away more than 20 years ago. And so I've had to learn about not sharing how you feel and how that feels when you can't share it anymore. So I'm here, family, today to tell you, share. Let people know that their lives matter. And I don't care if it's your shift partner or the guy in the back of your patrol car or the transient sleeping down by the river. Their life matters, and so it should matter to you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Blue Family Tree Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe for future episodes. You can listen to us on iTunes Podcast or at our website, thebluefamilytree.org. You can also find us on Facebook. Remember, our primary mission is to provide families of fallen peace officers with a financial gift made up collectively from law enforcement families and close law enforcement supporters around the country through small monthly donations. Learn how you can contribute to our collective gift at thebluefamilytree.org. Until next time, stay safe. You're listening to the Blue Family Tree Podcast.